Hi everybody and welcome to this, the audio recording of the ARC360 webinar recorded on the 30th of September. Huge thank you to our corporate partners as always, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, New Partners, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, SNG Response and Sherwin-Williams, as well as our partners, the Green Park Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Great session coming your way with Andrew Ede, Network Strategy and Cost Manager for Central Insurance, Kev Thompson, Commercial Manager at CAPS, and Lee Wallbank, Managing Director of IRG. Enjoy the discussions. So, as always, uh, it's a huge thank you to our corporate partners and our partners for making ARC360 what it is and enabling these uh, webinars to keep the industry updated on what's happening out there at the moment. So huge thank you to BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, and there's the new kids on the block, Merca, uh, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams Automotive Finishes, as well as our partners, the Green Part Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Again, as always, it is custom that we uh, display and read out the disclaimer uh, on these webinars, again, just to provide these panelists with a, a little bit of protection, if you like. Um, so the views and opinions expressed during the following webinar are those of the individual contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the contributors, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Please respect any all contributions and we encourage you to join the conversation via the interactive functions available. Okay, as if by magic, here I am. So thank you very much to uh, Andrew Ede, Network Strategy and Cost Manager of First Central Insurance. We've got uh, Kev Thompson, uh, Commercial Manager of CAPS, and we've got Lee Wallbank, Managing Director of IRG. So great uh, panelists lined up, some very different perspectives in terms of uh, what's happening out there in the industry at the moment and different sort of conversation points to go on. But uh, I'll come around to just uh, allow you to a brief introduction in terms of uh, who you are, kind of, you know, current state of play, but uh, don't delve too deep because we'll come on to that. And uh, just to introduce yourself to those who are not accustomed. So, uh, Lee, if I'll come to you first. Yeah, Lee Warbank, Managing Director of IRG. We've currently got uh, 10 of the 11 sites open. The Bregen site is what we class as prestige and that's the only site that isn't open at the moment because we've moved all our prestige into Ponapreve, which has just reopened from the flooding. And we will come on to the uh, flooding and everything else that you've faced over the past, what's nine months, 10 months of uh, yeah. business ownership. So uh, we'll delve a bit deeper there. And, uh, and Kev yourself, you've obviously joined us on a webinar previously, and you've been keeping us updated with the uh, the CAPS data in previous months. So uh, just a little update from yourself. Kev Thompson, Commercial Manager for CAPS. Uh, been with CAPS now five years, so from the beginning of the acquisition. Um, prior to that, spent 10 years in motor manufacturer world, body and paint programs, accident management, et cetera, et cetera. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Kev. And Andrew, over to you, if we may. Yeah, it's Andrew Eid. I'm Network Strategy and Cost Manager for First Central. I've been here for five years. Prior to that, was a Chief Engineer for another insurer. And I've had various guises throughout the industry over this course of my career. 
Super stuff. All right, let's get everyone involved then in a little bit of uh, polling because we like to do that to make sure everyone's uh, with us and awake and also just a little bit of a temperature gauge on the industry. So uh, here we go. So September, have you experienced a change in claims volumes over the past few weeks? So bi-weekly now on the webinars, we're just gauging this. So cast your votes now significant increase slight increase remain static slight decrease or significant decrease <clears throat> so again just over the past couple of weeks just gives us a little bit of a flavor in terms of what's happening out there and i think it's fair to say there's probably quite a regional differences at the moment that we're experiencing due to obviously many things one of which is local lockdowns etc okay so let's Bring that one to a halt and share the results there. So slight increase, 61%. That's good news. Significant increase, 6%. That's even better news. Static and slight decreases from others. Okay, let's have a look at the second poll. So launch the polling. Here we go. So what are your current work volumes as compared to September last year? So September 2020 versus September 2019. Are we up 100% or more? Or anywhere thereafter? I think we've all kind of got an anecdotal feel in our heads of where the industry is, but it's always good again just to gauge opinion from a cross sector. A couple more seconds there in terms of the votes. All right, and there's your results. So 70 to 80 percent, the majority 42 percent claim that. And again, higher than that looks good. So, what are we? 24 percent are below that at the moment. Fantastic work. And I'll just go on quickly to. Q4, so we are on the cusp of, of Q4. And again, we gauged this at the start of September in terms of the last remaining four months of the year. Which one do you see is considered to be the milestone for the business? Back at the beginning of September, 43% said it would be October, 21% November, 8% December. Let's just see if that has changed at all. Again, obviously a big consideration right now is the end of the furlough scheme uh, as of the end of October new initiatives out there to replace that or at least provide some support thereafter okay again a couple more seconds there anyone wants to cast a vote so 50 percent now looking another month further ahead to november all right super stuff Let's leave those there for the time being. We'll draw back on those at some stage. So uh, I'll come to you first, Lee, because you've probably got um, quite a story to tell in terms of the uh, the past, uh, what are we, nine, ten months now. Um, so management buyouts, start of the year. Uh, and I'll let you tell the rest of the story from there on. <laughs> yeah, um, we completed the manager about the 31st of January. Had a good couple of weeks and then... We had the flood in that hit us in, in the two sites in Pont-de-Breathe on the 16th of February, 
which wasn't ideal. That was on the Sunday. We had to transfer 52 staff to different sites overnight, which was a bit tough. But we got through it. Staff moved. We had some that left because they didn't want to travel, which was probably to be expected. You always have a plan for maybe losing one site, but losing the two was tough. We got through it for a bit, and then obviously coronavirus and lockdown happened a month later. We considered closing the business fully, as, as probably most people did, but we had 800 vehicles on site in the group, and we st- said we'd stay open and, and try and get as, as many of those back as we could. Part supply became the biggest issue, as, as I think everybody saw. And I think come the end of March, then 1st of April, we made the decision to, to furlough. I think it was 81, 82% of the business. So we kept Cardiff open pretty much in full. We just lost the night shift. And then Hereford and Merthyr stayed open just to scout and staff, just to provide a service and, and see what we could do. So we moved what cars we could, that we could complete and, and fix them from there then really. So as volumes slowly increased, we started to bring staff back again as, as everyone did, but it gave us the opportunity to, to look at processes, to look at efficiencies. And, and again, as everybody did look, look at the positives we could draw from it. So the four of us, I mean, we've worked every day. We haven't stopped. We've, we've had the, the claim and, and Pont de Prise going on, refurbing the two sites and sorting all of that out, whilst also trying to bring people back in work. And we made a decision that we didn't want to make redundancies. I don't think anybody does, but you know, we wanted to try and keep everybody in business, which we've, we've done so far. We haven't planned on making redundancies We've taken on staff actually made redundant from other sites and, and that's before before the new site actually in Birmingham. So I think we, we're on, I suppose we were quite fortunate when you look at the flooding that we lost a few staff that we always knew we needed to replace anyway. And I think it just coincided with, with Ponty reopening and volumes picking back up that we were able to do so. And you, the, two, the two flooded sites now back reopen? Yeah, so they opened 7th September. There's still a few things here and they're outstanding, but uh, 80% of those staff are back in Ponapreeth now. As I said earlier on, we the only site we haven't opened is Progend. And only because it was one of the prestige sites. So, I mean, 95% of the work was JLR, BMW, Mercedes. But it was quite a small site and, and to try and operate those kind of marks and the work going through it could be tough. So we made a decision to move those brands to, to Pont de Prith, uh, and all the staff moved with there. So we've got the manager, everybody's gone there, so all the skills, et cetera, continued. And we'll reopen Bridgend in the new year, but it, it won't be, it'll be going on a different path. It won't be insurance work. But Pond, Pondy's great. I mean, we, we've also put some pictures on social media. We did what we could with it, considering the constraints we were facing. I mean, in any other world, like if, if we'd have had normal turnover, normal operating opportunities, we'd have probably made some differences. But considering we don't own the business for well, two weeks before the flooding, I mean, we, we, we barely had an opportunity to run the business properly. 
but it's been good. I mean, we've had a good uptake from staff. It's good positive. I mean, people are really positive in the business. And I think what it's done is just show them how, how the four of us operate as a team, because there would have been some negative thoughts and they were, as, as you can imagine, there's changed Steve owned the business for, for 20 years, albeit whilst we've been involved for a while. But I think it's just shown them that we've done our best and we've done okay through it all, really. Sounds like you've done great, my friend, and uh, certainly uh, not easy circumstances. You've had it uh, hit you from every angle, and we'll, we'll come on to kind of regional differences as well soon because obviously sites in Wales, sites in, in England, um, so you're, you're sort of a fine balancing act going on there at the moment. Um, Andrew, if I can come across to you, if I may, um, and if you could just give us a little insight into, into First Central Insurance. Uh, yeah, we're First Central Insurance. We're a private motor insurer. We only deal with private private car. We don't. We're not diversified in any sort of way. We were we're a small insurer. We're on the aggregator sites only, or direct. Uh, we've hit some quite significant milestones this year, and, and whilst in pe- pandemic, we've had our highest policy count ever, live policy counts, and we're slowly pulling ourselves towards seven hundred thousand policies. So. So we're moving, we're moving up and we've got very good organic growth, which the group's uh, putting us for. I suppose, I suppose from our point of view, the pandemic caused quite a lot of challenges from the office point of view. Uh, all our non-customer facing staff around about the week before the announcement came out, we all moved to working from home, whereas where we can. And when the announcement came out, Everybody went to work from home. And within a week, we were BAU, which I think was a great call to our IT and our, our services and everything else that, that went on from there. And do you think, um, you know, kind of being a, a smaller player helped you in that sense? Um, yeah, know, I think so. I mean, we, 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 we had two major sites uh, with the claims mainly being focused in Manchester and a lot of the sports stuff going on at other in other areas. So, yeah, it did help. You know, we were, were quite local and we were able to move pretty quickly in order to be able to, to deal with it. And now, dare I say it, moving sort of slightly in another direction. So you, you, you sort of referenced that you'd you'd started to get people back to the office. Um, obviously, subsequent government uh, announcements last week. Um, it's the reverse now. Yeah, we. I mean, we rolled out a plan at the beginning of September uh, for people to be able to move back to the office. On a, on a sharing and a booking basis, but with the, the recent announcement, that's now been closed off, and we've only got vulnerable uh, staff going into the office to work. They need to. Okay, okay. All right. Well, we'll touch upon more of obviously your uh, your role personally with the network and things very shortly. Kev, uh, a little update from yourself. Um, we've obviously kind of been sharing data in in previous weeks, and we had a break in August. Um, but is there any sort of you know update for August that you can share? And I know September's isn't ready yet, but if you can just explain to people where uh, where that's at, really. Yeah, we originally started to um, uh, present the data for ARC 360 on a weekly basis, which was tracking the um, uh, effects of COVID-19 and uh, businesses closing. Um, bearing in mind that our data is only data that's exchanged, not necessarily new claims. But um, 
it's been an interesting journey for CAPS in the sense that we've been really busy um, with new body shops coming online and with new services wanting to connect and consume the CAPS data. It did cause us a bit of a problem in trying to normalise the data, which was why we moved away from a weekly basis to a, a monthly reporting um, perspective. Um, it allowed us to normalise the data back to the January uh, point in which we were measuring the data from. Um, going into uh, Coming out through August, we actually saw a slight dip in August in claims exchanged, um, which was down by about 6% from the July data. Um, and I had a quick look at the data yesterday from an account perspective, a, a dip check, if you like. Um, and actually, September's starting to show a slight increase, albeit we're still approximately 20,000 claims less than the January figure that we posted. So um, not sure on what August downturn was caused by, whether it was holidays, staycations, um, but we definitely saw a, a, a reduction. Um, and then September, is it because people are going back to work? Is it because there's more cars on the road? Or is it just a, uh, an increase of claims that weren't exchanged in the August period? Um, so it's difficult for us to say, but all we can do is we can um, present the data as it comes to us. Um, and hopefully um, for those that um, receive the data from CAPS, we should have an update for everybody Monday, Tuesday next week. Excellent. Excellent. And then just to reiterate, Kevin, people just drop you an email to, to receive that data. Yeah, we've, we've got about 100 and odd people on the um, distribution list at the moment. But um, yeah, just send me an email. You can either come to me personally or go through contact at caps.co.uk or even go through to Mark Hadaway, who uh, can pass your details on to myself. I've just got myself a job there, haven't I? That's what I like to hear. Um, all right. So, Lee, I'll come to you. And again, you know, you, you've kind of been through uh, a bit of everything, really, uh, in the in the in the sort of nine months of, of business ownership. But you've obviously inherited uh, uh, inherited wrong word, but acquired a business, which was, you know, one thing you've been through all this mix of floods of pandemic situation. You, we're now kind of re-emerging the other end. And what what's different about IRG really as a business now to, to when it uh, you know entered this uh, this horrible situation if you like. We were looking at different processes anyway, and I mean we we had a plan. We had things that we wanted. I don't want to say change because that that doesn't sound right, but we had things that we wanted to to look at and and improve from from previous. And then all that went out of the window anyway, but. We've carried on doing what we wanted to do. We carried on with those plans. The growth strategy is still there, albeit a little delayed, uh, as we announced with with the site in Kings Norton last week. So, like I said before, we didn't really have the opportunity to to run the business like normal beforehand. So everything was a change. It was a fresh start. We've looked at everything. We've improved different areas of the business. We've we had to create a new team below us also. So the, you know, we were doing a jobs under Steve and, and Dale and such. And, you know, as we've stepped into the role, those roles, we've had to find replacements for ourselves. So we've been restructuring, rebuilding, simply just looking at everything that we had to do. And 
like I said, fortunately, we didn't have to close any sites, which some people have had to. And, and again, we haven't had to make redundancy. So it's difficult in that we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have a lot of time to run the business like we, we would have. So we've just done what we wanted to do, really. That's it. We didn't have the opportunity to, to change. It's, it's, it sounds silly, I know, but we didn't have the opportunity to run it normally. So we've just done what we wanted to do. So it, it has, it's just given us our opportunities, given the time to make those changes without having the distractions of running the business normally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it is utilisation of the time, you know, wisely, so to speak. Um, you know, and there's pro- probably an argument to say that taking on the business like you did and not, and not having the opportunity to run it as it was, you know, could ultimately be a blessing in the sense that you you come into it now with just a, a fresh set of eyes and, uh, and ideas behind it. So, uh, yeah, exactly that. And that's how we've seen it. You know, everything that's happened, the flooding, we've looked at the positives. COVID, as, as ridiculous as it sounds, we've looked at the positives. So we've just carried on with the plan like we had before. I think we just had that bit more time to to be able to implement the changes, really. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, I'll come across to you then. So again, from your uh, perspective, um, you know, what, what's new at First Central? What's What's been the learning curve, if you like? What's been implemented? What's different as, you, as we kind of, you know, re-emerge? And I'm getting a bit... Uh, Sick of using that term, but uh, but fingers crossed we are re-emerging. I, I, I think for the new thing, you know, it was everyone working from home. Uh, I think that was a big shock to everybody to go working from home when they were used to working in teams with team leaders and other people working above them. You know, to have that uh, singleness to to carry on and do your job and be expected to what what you're doing. Uh, I think you know technology has been a great asset to us. It's been a great helper. Uh, we've lived on teams. I rather like the advert on the TV. You know, it's team meeting, team meeting, team meeting. And we've rolled out so many hubs, so many catch-ups. We have catch-ups every morning within teams. Uh, we have breaks. And I think there's been a hell of you know, a real lot more collaboration between departments and people are actually talking a lot more because of that distance and that, you know, you need to be able to, you can't just expect, you need to be able to reach out to people. And there's a lot more projects and planning and and collaboration going on in order for us to deliver what we need to deliver to the business. So as well as our growth plans and our agility is dealing with, you know, with our supply network, supply chain, as well as helping out in regards to other areas of the business that need support. And in hindsight, do you think this is, you know, this has been kind of a beneficial time for the business in the sense that, you know, you've realised, you know, what can be done remotely, what can be done via these, you know, digital yeah, channels? Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I think I think this, what has happened now, I, I, it's probably moved the industry on into a space where it would be in five or ten years' time. You know, large offices, people commuting. The, the time you save in between not having to do a half hour or an hour commute, you know, you, you can utilise that in your work time. And that, that frees up other time to do other things as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you, do you think you'll make a full-fledged return to, you know, a headquarters at, at some stage? At some stage, I think we will go back. We, we've recently purchased another building, or moved into another building and had it refurbished uh, in Haywards Heath. So we will 
moved back into it partially. Whether that's on a full-time basis, I'm not sure. I mean, with the with the company expanding as as it as it is, it, you know, we watch this space realistically. I think it's more. It's a bit more of an agile be. approach. Yeah. And um, and Kevin, you've uh, uh, sorry, Kev, um, you've obviously uh, experienced it yourselves in terms of you know the uptake of technology and and more adoption of of caps. We're all talking about technology, implementing it in different ways, whether it be use of Teams, Zoom, whether it be kind of, you know, social media marketing via websites and things. Now, you know, from your perspective, again, you know, what are you learning there at CAPS about how the industry's communicating or, or wants to communicate for, for the future? So it was interesting to hear what Andrew just said then about living on Teams. I've had three uh, meetings this morning, Zoom, Teams and back on Zoom. So, um, if you were to ever think about buying shares in a virtual platform, January, February would have been the ideal opportunity. Um, but I think, um, again, picking up on a, a point that Andrew made about technology um, and being five years ahead, um, in front of where we should have been, um, technology, without a doubt, has been tested, um, will continue to be tested. And the good thing and I will say this because I'm in a technology business now, but technology without doubt um, creates efficiency if used correctly. And I think where we spent five years on um, trying to gain credibility for CAPS, um, taking um, some of our vision and strategies that were created by the National Advisory Council, um, we will remain agnostic. So it means that we will connect anybody to anybody. Um, subject to the correct protocols, of course. Um, but also, um, we want to make sure that the industry um, has connectivity amongst itself, um, and that connectivity needs to be transparent. Yes, there are still people that um, operate systems within our industry today that restrict connectivity, but I think um, where the industry is starting to move to is looking at technology as a future innovation, not just something that's 10 years in advance, but something that they need today. So I think um, where we're certainly seeing caps, and, and we've got a huge development roadmap yet to go at, um, is not only just connecting the, what I call the top to the bottom, the insurer work provider layer to the body shops, but actually considering how caps can facilitate almost a horizontal connectivity. So as an example, we've seen some insurance companies um, now starting to use incident management companies and for them to deploy work to a network. Um, and in order to do that, um, coming to the likes of CAPS um, to be able to exchange the data directly from an insurance company to an incident management company, and then using CAPS again to deploy that down to the body shop. Uh, and one of the unique things that we can do is we can return that information from the body shop to as many um, people that want to consume that data uh, with the right protocols. So we can send updates back to the insurer as well as back to the incident management company at the same time. So we're definitely seeing a, a massive increase in the adoption of technology. And as I say, um, I'm very lucky that I feel like I'm sat right at the heart of the industry at the moment as we're facilitating a lot of that connectivity. 
Um, there's some great good news stories out there. And, and going back to comment that Lee says about um, looking at his processes and having the time to implement new strategies and new processes, we've seen people adopting technology um, by a way of either having a low touch or a no touch um, process. So Sam Smith on his podcast last week was talking about um, how you can use free technology. And as a fellow tight arse northerner, um, free is got to be the best way. If you're not using free technology, you're not looking at technology to support your business and make it more efficient. So even the ability to send a driver out to collect a car with an iPad that you fill out a simple form, that form can be sent back to the body shop and, and the information, if, we, if you are using CAPS, is uploading that straight to the management system, which is almost enabling your workforce to be prepared, ready for that vehicle to come into the yard, roll off the back of the truck and straight into a work bay. Um, it means that the efficiency, the downtime, the key to key time, everything's being impacted by the use of technology. So I can only say it's got to be a thing for the future and it's got, it's got to be something that we continue to embrace. And anybody that's involved in technology development, this is the time to start really stretching the limits of what we can do to make sure our industry remains as buoyant and as future-proof as possible. Yeah, and thanks for the plug on the on the podcast because it was really interesting talking to Sam and it was you know similar to what Andrew said, the sense that we've kind of you know, been, been thrust into a world of, of technology that already existed. We all knew it was there. It's arguably we were just always a bit reluctant to to utilise it in that fashion. And, um, you know, how Sam's kind of used those things available to him for, for, for the better of the business. Um, it makes for an interesting listen. And, and likewise, you know, with yourself and, and Caps Kev, I, you know, I, it's one of those kind of, you know, dare I say it, rude awakenings perhaps amongst the industry that, you know, you've been beating the drum for a long time that these things are there and readily available. And, um, you know, all of a sudden it's coming to the fore now to, to assist business. So whilst we're on the theme of technology, uh, let's have a little... Uh, oh, sorry. Let's have a little, sorry, look around. And so little questions on tech then. So technology has undoubtedly proven itself as an enabler across the claims sector in recent months. Do you see it as a core investment across all areas of business moving ahead? Yes, some aspects or no. And then question two for those voting. What, if any, do you see as the business-related constraints of greater technology implementation utilisation? You've got multiple choices there. So is it financial? Is it skill sets? Is it time? Is it knowledge? And by that, I mean, kind of, you know, where do we start first? What's the best thing to invest in first? Trust. Is there still kind of trust factors out there? Where does my data go? Where does it end up? Who has sight of it? Unsure of the benefits. So what can technology possibly offer us? Or is there the other one that we've got all the technology we currently need? So Again, we'll just give everyone a little bit of time to cast a vote there. Be interesting to see where we're all at in terms of mindsets. So I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. Some great insights from uh, Andrew, Kev and Lee there so far. Um, huge thank you once again to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, our new corporate partners, Merca, 
Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams, as well as, of course, our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the second half of the audio recording. So here we go. So what do we got? 61% believe yes across all areas of business, 39% some aspects. Uh, what are the restricting factors, skill sets? 50%, interesting. Financial, 43%. Time, knowledge, so where do we start first or what do we go with first? Trust and unsure of the benefits. I'm going to pull you on that into that one, Kev. Where do you want to take us with those results? Um, so looking at the question one, uh, there isn't anybody that dispels technology that isn't going to add an advantage. So to me, that's you need to get out there. There are plenty of um, technology opportunities. Um, choice is never more fruitful than it is now. Um, don't be bogged down with just because I've had this system for a number of years, that's the only system that's available. Um, I'd like to think that CAPS has enabled people to think outside the box, connect with other technology companies and other systems that you may have previously thought, I don't want to have another system in my business because it means double keying. And the whole ability of CAPS is that we can connect these systems and this technology um, to your body shop management system. So in effect, you have one input station and that should then fuel other systems. And when I say that, we've got system providers that have joined CAPS that um, facilitate workshop um, operation efficiency planning. Uh, we've got other companies that have joined us that uh, help with the triage and collection and delivery of vehicles. Um, and again, going back to that scenario, um, if you can gather all of this information on an iPad and have it returned back to the body shop via secure link, um, then your, your receptionists, your workforce already know a lot more information um, that's available to them simply just from collecting the car. And vice versa, you can return that information back to the customer through a DocuSign um, invitation. So the customer's not had to handle any paperwork. Um, you've not had to process any paperwork as a business. Um, and that information is electronically available then to not only the customer, but also to your work providers uh, and insurers. Um, I think one of the aspects that we've not completely tapped into yet, we talk about it, the industry, or as, as forever as, as long as I've been in the industry, has talked about the customer, yet we still don't bring the customer into the incident or the uh, repair process. And yet every single customer carries one of these. Um, there are companies out there, likes of Service Certainty, are doing image capture now. Um, again, we can bring that through caps and land that in the body shop management system. But we've got to start to look at technology where the customer is part of the process, not as an end result or the provider of the keys when we take the car off them and bring the car back to them. You know, we forget that the customer is at the scene of the accident is the first person there. So if they can capture images at the scene of the accident, that's got to help claim staff. It's got to help third party liability claims. Um, and even to a point where an estimator, if you can see those images, helps them understand what type of damage that they should be looking at 
versus what are they being told is damaged as part of the incident. So I think we have the ability to, to bring all of this data into our peripheral vision, if you like. We just need the best way of being able to communicate that throughout the supply chain that we're working with. But I think it's definitely looking at those poles. People want technology. They've seen that it's improved. Um, you don't know until you try it. Um, and then on the second ones, you know, time, skills, it, it ticks every single box. And I can't believe it's taken, um, first of all, GDPR to raise the awareness of how we should use technology. And then secondly, COVID-19 to force us into a technology um, thought process. But great for me. <laughs> Very nice too. Now, Lee, I'm going to come across to you on that on that piece. So, um, you know, certainly on the second question there, we saw mentions of skill sets. Um, we saw mentions of obviously technology implementation, uh, how it can benefit processes or production. You as a brand, you know, you you're kind of uh, a new new brand, if you like, or certainly seem to be, you know, a, a young brand, if you like. How's your view of you know technology and all these things across the business? Are you looking at different skill sets? You're looking at different type of people within the business, um, and how are you utilising it to to assist your processes there? Yeah, I mean, Kev's absolutely right. We we've tried images and to service in the image proof we tried several years ago. I think it was a pilot with Cover actually, and it's a it was a it was probably a bit ahead of his time then because you just couldn't get the buy-in. It's also trying to, to understand, work with the customers to get the images you need because you'd be surprised how many insurers wouldn't accept those images, actually. So you'd, you'd need to do a pre-estimate. You'd have the images, and then you'd have to get the car in anyway to get the images to get the authority. So it was absolutely the right thing to do. We've... Part of the new process for us is we ask every single customer to provide us images because Kev's right, they absolutely, they, they all take images when they have an accident. Everybody does today. So by providing us those images gives us an head start. We try not to do pre-estimates anymore. So we ask every customer for images only to get an understanding of damage and, and part supply, especially today with, with parts being back-ordered and available, et cetera. The last thing you want to do is bring a car on site need a bumper and then either arrange for the car to go back or have it on site for two or three weeks looking for parts. So, so we, we do follow that process only to get an understanding for parts today. We, we've actually been using uh, an app for technicians to take images through repair for a while. And skill set's an absolute must, but the need for change from, from technicians, from staff has to be there. It, it's, I think we're probably one of the worst industries for change. No one likes change. And to try and get them to understand the benefits of it, ridiculously, it is so hard. Like we've, we've just implemented, we've just bought tablets for every single technician. They've got one each now because we were constantly getting damaged. No one was taking responsibility. So we've given them a tablet each and that's purely their responsibility. And we've been working with, with our management system and I know a few of us have on digital job cards. So you don't have paper job cards anymore because as everyone will get the struggle, especially BSI shops, signing job cards, making sure they, they, they're done through the process. It's all mandated then. So as they're clocking on jobs, as they're taking their time, 
they're having to sign an audit as, as they go through the process. So it makes things th- a lot efficient, a lot easier for everybody. And there's audit functions behind that then for equipment and such. So it is absolutely the right way. And, and, and I think this has pushed us down that path, not just in our industry, I think generally in the UK, but it's made a massive, massive advantage and, and push us all down that route now, as Kev said. Andrew, if I can come to you and with your thoughts around, um, you know, the use of technology, the skill sets required, you know, the relationships it can create or the efficiencies as well that it can drive. What, what are your thoughts um, from an insurer perspective there? I think there's, you know, there's several things we can look at, I mean, from, you know, the digital journey to, you know, what you provide to suppliers and what you what you sort of consume when it when it comes back in. I mean, if if we look at the sort of the front end, we're using certain aspects of uh, a certain, shall we say, estimated system in order to help us with our ethanol decisions. Since putting that in and integrating it with our uh, claims, we've reduced our total loss ratio into the network. So we're, we're putting less rubbish into the network. Uh, and only providing repairs in there, and we've done that by it was just over ten percent, which is you know which is great. Uh, from the other side, you know we're looking to move forward and move into a more digital platform with Enol, with customers providing us images. We can receive images and pass them on at, at present, but we don't tend to do that. We tend to do that where an insured may have a, the preference to retain salvage on a vehicle that we deem total loss at the time where it's an older vehicle and light damage so that we can ascertain what the damage is and what salvage category it is. And I think, you know, taking up on lease, lease point, images are great, probably help you understanding the damage on the vehicle and might help you with your workshop loading. Doing an estimate for them and getting it pre-authorised is a bit of a bugbear from, from my point of view. Creates more supplementaries and more havoc within the engineering function or, you know, the authority function than is probably required and drives a lot of inefficiencies for us all, I think, you know, realistically from that sort of point of view. So I think, you know, there's a real, it's a real opportunity, I think, for, for a lot of collaboration between insurers and work providers and repairers in order to be able to pass all that information through, like you say, and also, you know, that will only benefit the uh, the policy holder or, or, you know, the customer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like it's all there. It sounds like we've just got to kind of um, somehow... Join the, the dots, job. yeah. Just get the dots um, joined together, really. Interesting times. Now, I'm going to move on just... Um, a little bit in terms of kind of the wider industry. Now, there's there's obviously plenty happening. Uh, Lee, you, you yourself, you've, you've just opened recently opened up a site in Birmingham. We've seen other um, groups open up individual sites. Uh, we've obviously seen the change at Nationwide. We've had AGL announce a £15 million investment in their body shop kind of unit or side of things. So are the, all these things kind of just inevitable and you know this was going to be 2020 anyway or you know have events kind of influenced the way the markets moved um and has it made it kind of more agile are we in a different space essentially than than perhaps we were when we entered 2020 um kev you want to take that one for us (laughs) 
I, I, I guess um, are we in a different space? Uh, yeah, of course we're in a different space. We, we're all we're all adapting. Um, I saw a quote from somebody on Twitter the other day about there are businesses that um, are the ones that lead in adaption, adoption. Um, there are companies that watch others, and then there are companies that are thinking what the hell went on. Um, you know, uh, I think we're going to diversify as an industry. Um, you know, there's clearly people out there that have got the money to invest in their future. Um, will we eventually go back to something that looked like nationwide with that many body shops? I don't think so. Well, that's my personal opinion. Um, but is it going to be for the benefit or the detriment of the industry? I think benefit the industry and the relationships is that we have um, good quality body shops that are doing good quality repairs. Um, we need to be more transparent because we're still hidden, you know, in many aspects of the UK. You know, when you look at skill sets, body shop doesn't even figure in STEM. Um, the closest we get is dealerships. So there's, there's, you know, we've really got to peel the onion back as an industry and make ourselves more attractive, um, be more transparent and actually surface to the top. Um, and I think some of these big investors that are buying body shops uh, are going to do that because, you know, you know, IRG and Lee, you know, what they've done in uh, the face of two um, disasters um, is amazing to still come back and be, uh, you know, as futuristic as they, they can be. Um, you know, look, look at AGL, uh, new body shops, not acquisitions. There's clearly a, a, a business um, project that sits behind that. Uh, Location is going to be key as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's for the benefit of the industry. Uh, and I think we should applaud those that are continuing to invest and diversify. Andrew, any thoughts around there from an insurer perspective? Um, you know, we, are we now in a realm where an industry is more agile, moves at a faster pace um, than, than we ever have been? And, and what does that kind of, you know, what does that mean from an insurer uh, viewpoint? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, realistically, our point of view is that we, we, we insure quite an older vehicle park. And I think, uh, you know, what, what does get missed out there is, is the amount of vehicles that are, are rolling out on the road at the minute that don't have the technology on them. And we're seeing that the, you know, the average age of a vehicle is, is extended that's on the road. People are keeping cars for longer. They're lasting for longer. And so there'll still be a requirement to repair those, insure and repair those vehicles going forward, whether that be down uh, various different routes or, and whether or not we see body shops specialising in either older vehicles or green parts, non-OE, in order to reduce costs so we can repair those vehicles. And certainly with what we also need to think about is that, that hopefully the newer vehicles with the technology that's on them, we should see a reduction in frequency. Not saying that we'll see a reduction in severity when those vehicles are involved in accidents or those vehicles interact with vehicles that don't have uh, the said technology on them. And I think that that's the challenge we've got going forward. I think you quite rightly say, you know, moving moving the the right car to the right repairer to have it repaired correctly and safely is 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 paramount. Really, it's key key to moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. We've also got to consider that we're not 
I mean, it happen, It can happen today, but not that far away, talking maybe one, two years, five at the most, that the car is actually going to decide where it wants to be repaired because the car will be telling us when it's had an accident. And again, that's technology that we need to link in with at various points throughout our industry because, you know, the race to in all that vehicle um, is here today. It's only going to get worse as we get deeper and deeper into that technology of the vehicle. But for sure, if the car can tell us it's had an incident and even we can predict the severity, we can actually direct that vehicle to where it needs to go, almost like a hospital triage. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're probably well on the path to that point, aren't we? Maybe a few years off, but... Um... It's, it seems to be coming. Now, Lee, a couple of the points that, um, you know, have been mentioned there. You yourselves, IRG, you, you're obviously got your own kind of business aspirations. Um, and we're not asking you to reveal them all here on air. Um, but you've also, as Andrew's kind of alluded to, you've kind of got a segmented, you know, your specialist divisions within the business as it stands. You know, is that all part of the kind of thought process moving ahead that you will have those divisions and they'll become arguably more important for for not only you but the repair industry as a whole yeah i think so we we recognized probably a few years ago when we tried to separate express from your conventional repair and then about three years ago we created the the lcv center the van center because as, as most body shops will know how long we'll be a sprinter that comes into the shop and it just blocks everything up, but that becomes a priority, which which shouldn't happen, but it does because we need the space. So we we separated Prestige, Express, Commercial, etc. A few years ago, for for efficiency, you know, each departments have different efficiencies, and by separating them makes it more efficient. So it absolutely works. We we do that in our call center. All of the the notifications come in. We ask the customers ethical questions as, as most do. And, and we try and find the right place for the right repair at that time. And that might not be purely on, on express conventional prestige. You know, it still comes to customer choice, preference, availability. You know, we're not the only ones, but we've got a couple of night shifts that, you know, if the customer needs their cars back quicker or overnight, fans, et cetera, it offers more opportunity to customers and, and provides a better service. 2020 for us, it hasn't changed our aspirations far from it. You know, we have our growth strategy. We have the plans that we want when we, we know the areas we need to go into. And we've been asked to go into all it's done for us at the moment is just delay things because we've had everything else to juggle, but you know, Kings Norton, was actually planned to come on six or seven months ago, even with the MBO going on. It was actually due back end of last year and it was delayed because of the MBO. And then it's been delayed because of this, but we, we finally made it work. And the builders are in now is due to open in a month's time. And it is only an express shop because we've got an opportunity there. You know, it's not too far from the Hereford site. We go to Kidderminster and Worcester and such a lot anyway. So it's just a connection from where we are today to help service the customers we have. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's any clear, clear segmentation, as you say, I think we're at the moment, we're probably focused on severity or, or type of work. Um, and that's them from, from the previous um, 
webinar we did. Um, but again, that's not to say that that's, you know, the way it will segment in future. Will it be, in fact, you know, somebody needs their car back in 24 hours? Well, that's, you know, the route that that takes. So, um, so I think it's, it's interesting times ahead. And I think there will be, you know, various solutions that come to the fore, really. Um, so one last poll and still centred on that conversation. So again, just for everyone to have the cast their opinion, has the industry now entered a new phase stroke pace of change? Yes, undoubtedly. No, it's nothing new or only time will tell. So get your votes coming in. And then I've seen a question just come through, probably one for you, Andrew, to pick up on. And uh, we'll come back to that in a second. So what have we got? We'll give everyone just a little bit of time to cast their votes. So there we go, 82%, undoubtedly. Hold on to your hats in. Looks like we're in for a, an interesting ride. Okay, so just picking up on the question there then, um, Andrew, I think it was uh, in terms, so from Louise Willacott, who Louise joined us uh, on a webinar some time back. So about the supplement, supplementaries uh, discussion, uh, can you envisage allowing uh, sort of a, your repair network to just send an invoice supported with images and parts invoices uh, at any stage? You know, is that something that technology might, you know, allow us to do further down the line? Um you know, not necessarily speaking for First Central, but from an insurance perspective in general, what, um, you know, how would that play out? Is that a possibility? Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's not a possibility. I think uh, one of the things that we're working towards with with uh, our current supplier are, is, is automation of uh, authorizations and also looking at the uh, data that we can get out of, back, out of the back of... Uh, the said estimating system so we can benchmark those repairers and understand that we have a, a, a rating for that repair and then we may well put them on what we'd class as you know full auto authority so they were at will to do what the there was was required in the repair without any any touch basis for us whatsoever i mean we, we're quite switched on and what we do at the moment i mean we we do automatic reserves into our claims files so we were reserving correctly from when we authorised repairs. So I don't see it as being a, no. It's something that w might come in the future. At the moment, we consume a lot of the data in regards to the repairs in order to help us with our underwriting strategy as well. So Okay, so one for the future. And again, a, very much a, a two-way thing. Let's not forget that... Um, you know that that trust element works both ways, so um, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that plays out. And again, it's another step on that sort of level uh, ladder to efficiency, isn't it? And customer service that we've um, we've talked about. So we've got just a couple of minutes left, guys. I'm just going to kind of take a whistle st uh, stop tour around Q4. Uh, again, crystal balls are coming out right now. Lee, you've already seen it in terms of local lockdowns where some of your businesses sit. You know, who knows what's going to happen in terms of, you know, countrywide or whatever else it might be. But, you know, as it sits, as it stands right now, where do you see Q4 for you, for your business and arguably, you know, the wider industry? We, we lost a bit of volume last week because of local lockdowns. 
And I mean, we're half term coming next month. That's only going to go further, I think. We actually had our best week the week before last. And we went to about 64% of pre, which was good. But we're late 50s again. So I think we're probably going to, I think, average around that late 50s, 60s, probably until, well, definitely whilst local lockdowns are on. And, and I suppose we no one knows how long they're going to be. Six months has been mentioned, but I think they make their decisions within a day and, and they're lifted or, or in lockdown the day after. So we take it day by day, week by week, see what we can do. And yeah, and just hope for the best, really. Um, I think where we're at today, we're okay. Even with the volumes we have today, you know, we're, we're, we're fine. So all of the extra volume just helps us to grow, obviously, and, and invest where we need to. But if, if we stay where we're at today, and I think we probably will, then I think we'll be, we'll be fine. But the schools are the big thing. I mean, we've seen a massive rise when schools went back, when kids went back to school. You know, there's lots of traffic on the roads, but I think there were different times throughout the day. But that rush hour, that that timing to go back to school has, has obviously created more more claims for us. And you know, providing so long as kids are still going to school, I think I think we'll still see decent volumes. Great stuff. Well, thank you very much, Lee. And uh, everything that you've uh, you've been through in the in the past nine months, um, you're still smiling, which is a great thing. And uh, we can only wish you every success, Kev. Uh, the next set of caps data. When do we see that for September? So tomorrow we will be um, cutting the data, the reports. So we should be able to see the September data uh, Tuesday and Wednesday next week, hopefully. Um, so I'll send it through to the distribution list that I already have. I'll try and get it through to you, Mark, for your next Wednesday webinar. Um, Anybody that wants to reach out to me, um, you know, by all means do. Great. So thanks very much, Kev. And Andrew, from your perspective, again, a bit of a sort of crystal ball moment, but um, Q4 from your side? I think we'll see us continue, continue to grow. <clears throat> that That is the plan. We'll, we drop some things in this week that we'll see us be a little bit more competitive in the market. We'll, will continue to grow as we've seen. I mean, from a volumes point of view, uh, because of our growth in our book, we are actually sitting at higher volumes than we were in January pre, pre-COVID at the moment. So from our point of view, you know, it's, it's, it, it's looking very, very rosy. Good to hear. What a nice way to to wind off a, a webinar, which, um, you know, arguably is not focusing on the, on the greatest time in the industry, but, uh, Certainly lots of opportunity out there for, from everybody, um, finding our feet, looking at new ways of doing things. So uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Uh, Lee, all the best and uh, wish you every success for the future. Keep us posted on uh, on what's happened next, what happens next. Kev, look forward to seeing the, uh, the CAPS data uh, in the coming weeks. And Andrew, thank you very much for your time and uh, continued success at First Central. So just before we uh, sign off, uh, a huge thank you once again to our corporate partners, uh, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, 
Emacs Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, New Kids on the Block, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams, as well as our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. Thank you very much for everyone who's joined us today. Really, really appreciate your time. It's great to see everybody sending those messages. Let us know what you thought of the webinar, any feedback either in the chat now or email me direct. And again, if anyone wants uh, Kevin's data uh, in the coming week, then again, I will pass on that information. Next webinar, 14th of October. Uh, so again, we'll be sending out the links to that very, very shortly. Keep an eye out in the meantime on the podcast, the video recording of this uh, webinar and also our insights. Join the LinkedIn ARC360 LinkedIn group, which is now live. We've also got the website coming in the next week or so. And also from ILC, we've got the Claims Tech event on the 4th of November. So keep eyes peeled on that. All digital um, from here until the end of the year for obvious reasons. So, uh, there'll be plenty more to come from us. But huge thank you, as always, to everybody. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you again soon. Cheers, guys. So there we have it. Big thank you to Andrew, Kev and Lee for their input this week on the ARC360 webinar. Some really great insights once again. And it's fantastic to see that there are some real green shoots of positivity coming from all of this for their respective businesses. Huge thank you to our corporate partners, as always, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, new corporate partners, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams, as well as our partners, the Green Parts Specialists in DASA and the Innovation Group. This has been the ARC360 audio recording of the webinar, uh, which took place on the 30th of September. Thanks very much for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you soon.